I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB, where I offer up a safe space for independent thinkers from 9 to 10 o'clock on Wednesdays and Thursdays. I am returning. I've been a refugee, a refugee from Jackson for the past five days, five days without power in the capital city. I don't know that this one was necessarily anybody's fault. Uh, Sounds like there was some pretty widespread damage of trees and limbs down, but uh, coming on the heels of, I had a 14, 13 or 14 day internet outage, and then a, I guess all combined this year, we had about 45 days uh, with no, no water, no drinkable water. I always had water and water pressure, but it's starting to feel a little, (laughs) a little third worldy out there. Uh, in Jackson, so I sought refuge back in uh, in Ridgeland. Anyway, uh, power's back on. I will be returning to home after the show today. I don't. I don't like to impose on people. I, I am somebody very bad about that. I think it's a. I think it could be attributed to some level of lack of confidence or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't like to ask people for favors. So I hold up in a hotel room uh, for the past five days, and I also had some time off of work. So I had too much time too much time uh, surfing the internet, looking at Twitter, reading news, and usually I'm far too busy uh, for these kinds of things. When I work, a lot of times I work six 12-hour days a week, so I don't have a lot of time. This one, this was the devil's playground for me for sure, and I cannot help but be, be repulsed by the politics of our time. I'm telling you, I hate politics. Because I also spend a good amount of time reading about good people or see examples of people helping each other. There are absolutely amazing stories out there of neighbors helping neighbors, families rallying around each other, strangers impacting other people's lives. And, of course, a ton of, a ton of information or a ton of stories about there, uh, out there about how great dogs are. Uh, for your mental health, I do recommend this if you if you... I don't do people go to Facebook anymore. Do people get news from Facebook? I mean, I just do not. I'm just not on Facebook. But if you have a Twitter account, if you go to Twitter to look for news or look through things, that that is probably my my weak spot. Make sure that you've included uh, follow a couple of things that feature animals or dogs. It's like a way to let some steam out of your brain while you're going through these things. But uh, there was one the other day. That some kid solved a Rubik's Cube in three seconds. Have you seen this thing? I, I think it's new. 
I don't know. As I say, I, I may have been running across old stories. I had so much time, too much time, too much time on my hands. I should have gone outside and just took my foot in, feet in the grass. But some kid, I think he was a 19-year-old kid, they show him in this competition. It's like a high school gym. He takes a look at a Rubik's Cube for about 10, 15 seconds, sets it down. They start the timer. He solves this thing in three seconds. Humans are really quite amazing. If, we're, if, if you just take politics out of all of it, I've said many times, my dream, if we can just even imagine a world where politics doesn't matter because nobody is, is infringing on our lives. But we're not allowed to focus on any of these good things. Uh, it doesn't serve the elites to do that. And to me, it really it just highlights the destructive nature of our current political climate. Everything is political. Beer, shopping, movies, sports, it doesn't matter. I'm not sure what the political bent is of the guy who solved the Rubik's Cube in three seconds. I guess I need to find that out to know whether or not I should approve of his achievement. It's really quite... I have never solved a Rubik's Cube. I'm old enough to have been around when the Rubik's Cube still was kind of a thing. A lot of people listening to me probably are saying, what's a Rubik's Cube? I don't know. Is it still popular? I have no earthly idea. But I've never solved one of these things. But... I guess I should find out the voting habits of the Rubik's Cube solver before I applaud his. <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten that sick. And really what's what's interesting to me, I have kind of gone from I did six years of two hours a day here at WYAB before I took another professional position and had to move along and only do a couple of hours. I've gone from really commenting on the news to really being more interested in people's reaction to what's going on in the world. It's now, I, I've become more of a, a commenter on society more than even the news. Particularly in the political behavior of people, it's, it's very cult-like on all sides. And again, I'm an observer. I'm not exactly objective. I'm a big freedom and liberty guy. I mean, I really want to be left alone. I mean, I really want to be left alone. Not not the fake conservative leave me alone, as I'll explain in just a second. I mean, the, the libertarian, man, can these people please just go away? I don't even want them using their power on my so-called enemies. I just want them gone. And, and when I talk about that, it's... it's What's interesting, because uh, I've got a couple of things from today, some things that are, that are going through society right now that I find the reactions on both sides to be interesting. Because it's really kind of hard to pinpoint <laughs> what people's actual, you know, we feel like there's this existential fight between these two great ideologies, right? The left and the right. But from what I see, as I observe these things, there's zero consistency on either one of these sides. I'm watching conservatives right now demanding the prosecution of Hunter Biden for so-called gun crimes. Now, believe me, Hunter Biden is a trust fund, screw-up, degenerate parasite and should be doing jail time for a myriad of corruption charges. But it's interesting to me to see conservatives who will rightfully, I'm with you, really focus in on the Second Amendment and say, shall not be infringed, but if your enemy, if your enemy dares to not go by the letter of the law when it comes to gun crimes, then immediately we want him, that person hanged. And, and the, the 
from what I see, again, I'm just commenting on what I see in society. Well, if I have to obey the laws, then he has to obey the laws. I would imagine a lot of people's minds immediately went there. But shouldn't you just want an unjust law to not be enforced at all? And, And here's what's interesting, because here's one where I think every conservative on that issue will immediately flip sides. Earlier this month, a 65-year-old New York City man killed a mugger. The government agrees it was self-defense. And yet they're still trying to put him in uh, prison for life, the crime of having unlicensed weapons. On June 1st at 2 a.m., a 32-year-old man assailed Charles uh, Foner, who was 65. Foner fought back. Cops then searched his apartment and found some unlicensed weapons prompting prosecutors to file more than two dozen charges against him. If convicted of all, he will die in prison. Now, if, if we, we say these, you know, hey, the law's out there. If I have to abide by the law, should Charles form? I'm not sure why, if a man kills somebody in self-defense, the cops need to search his apartment in the first place. Uh, but that's, uh, that's where we are. And so these kinds of things are very interesting to me. I have several of these today, actually, just to look at from the perspective of an observer who says, really, what are are people fighting? It feels to me, I've said before, the two-party system is both people trying to grab uh, grab a loose gun, like in a movie. It's not neither party wants to get the government out of our lives. Uh, Most people just want to have control of that government to be able to use it to beat the other side over the head. And so we'll talk about some more of these. Uh, I've seen some odd things from, you know, left and right. Now, I believe me, I'm as frustrated as anybody else with the Hunter Biden slap on the wrist. that They gave him some tiny little charges, negotiated them away, and he's supposedly scot-free now. I don't know if there's any other investigations going on from what I understand was child pornography on his laptop. But this is their effort because the American people are so easy to fool. Where they basically say, oh, we looked into it. See, the Justice Department went after Biden's son. Here's what we came up with. He pled guilty. This thing is over. And for the vast majority of people, they will move along. I'm as frustrated with, uh, with that as anybody else. But when it comes to gun and tax charges, <laughs> taxes, taxes being the other one, He should be in jail for the corruption of the money that he received and the method that he received it instead of being charged for not giving the government their their vig of his corruption. I mean, you stop and think about that for a second. The charge was the charge was that he didn't file taxes and didn't give the government. they, They know he's corrupt. They know that the source of the of the money was complete corruption and bribery. That's not their concern. The concern is when you take a bribe, you have to make sure that you give Uncle Sam his vig. you got to give us our part of your bribe money. And this, is where, this is where we are right now. So pardon me if I, I'm not, I, I, I think there's a million things to charge Hunter Biden with. He is a parasite degenerate uh, trust fund screw up. As people know who've listened to the show regularly, I've had one of these people in my life before. I know one of these people, these trust fund people, who end up being addicts. They never do anything with their lives. They're parasites. They, they turn into con men to hide their, 
their behavior. Hunter Biden, I mean, I, I, it's like I know this guy and I'm repulsed by him. There's a bunch of things to put him in jail for. Gun, not following every gun law and every tax law. Uh, that's the least of my worries with this guy. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. I was born a shotgun in my hands. Behind the gun, I'll make my final stand. Yeah, and that's why they call me. I think what I want to do is I think I'd like to be a philosopher. Is anybody hiring philosophers out there? Or you just kind of, now I don't want to be one of these elite, you know, ivory tower philosophers. And and I'm firmly aware that a lot of philosophers are routinely ignored by the masses, but I've found some very interesting philosophers out there. I, I think uh, I think maybe my favorite style would be George Carlin. George Carlin, I think George Carlin was a philosopher. I think he was a left wing guy, but I, I don't really know. He just railed against the system as it stood, and he was dead on right about a whole lot of it for sure. I've done a ton of quotes from him. Here's another one. Here's my quote of the day today. Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And that's a Nietzsche quote. Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And I think that's what's happened uh, to our political uh, atmosphere in this country. Here, I'm going to read you another story here that I thought was interesting. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. It shows kind of where we are, how politics just uh, destroys things. Uh, a guy named Joey Manorino. Let me see who he is. Oh, he is a political strategist and fundraiser. So <laughs> I guess I should have I should have looked this up first. I, I, we'll, we'll assume for the for the purposes of, of relaying this, that this is true. I would imagine it probably is. So Joey Manorimo writes this. He says, My ceiling fan remote wasn't working, and I needed the new remote hooked up to the fan, so I called a repairman to come. In my home office, where the fan is, I have a picture of President Trump and myself, among other pictures with political figures I've met. Governor DeSantis, Governor Huckabee, uh, Sanders, Representative Boebert, and others. The man came into the office to do the repair and said to me, Sorry, man, I can't do this. I can't look at these pictures and work. I'm not going to charge you anything for coming out, though. He then left, and uh, he then left. I let him leave rather than argue with him about it because he'd probably mess up the fan out of spite. Imagine being so triggered by some uh, inoffensive photographs of political leaders. People are ridiculously fragile. Now, I think he's exactly right about that. I mean, we can we can just listen to how silly that is, that somebody would just get triggered uh, by pictures like this. It's, it's immature. I think that that's one of the main things that I've seen politics do, is it, it really turns us into school children. Just spend any time on social media. If you, if you can look at it kind of objectively, take your right or left or take your red or blue lenses off and just kind of look at it and listen to how people interact with the people, it's kind of schoolyard stuff. It, it, it's really, to me, it's very immature. While even some of the topics and some of the things you debate maybe actually serious things, it's the way people interact with people. 
It's become very, it, there's, there's no boundaries. There's no borders to anything. It's, it invades every nook and cr- Every human interaction we have can be tainted by this stuff. And so anybody listening to me recount that story can say, that is so silly. Just repair the guy. So you don't agree with him on politics. Just repair the guy's fan and move on. That's what an adult would do. That's what a professional tradesman would do. Now, here's the thing, though. If an electrician posted this and said, if they went on social media and said that they went to a house with pictures of Hillary and Biden and Pelosi uh, with this homeowner, and I walked out, you know right then and there they would be a hero on right-wing Twitter. Immediately, people would applaud this decision. So we can look at this and just look at this tradesman and go, oh my gosh, how ridiculous is that? But I tell you what. You, you flip this on its head, and it's not hard to see. I mean, people will go to restaurants and see a picture of somebody up. Uh, there's an autographed picture of Hillary. I was at the hostess stand getting ready to be seated, and then I saw a picture of the owner with his arm around Hillary Clinton. I just walked out. What's the difference? What, what, what is the difference in those two things? There's actually very little. But this is how politics just destroys everything. Absolutely destroys everything. I think there was another one that I had here, too. Let's see if I can find this here. Oh, yeah, I know what the other one was. Because I thought this was fairly interesting. I was watching, uh, Monday was Juneteenth. Now, I remember, I'd always heard of Juneteenth. Wasn't real familiar with it, to be honest with you. But a few years ago, I believe it was in 2020. Because I remember I needed some cash. I had somebody doing some repairs at a house that I was flipping, uh, and I was going to pay them in cash. And so I went to the bank, and the bank was actually closed for Juneteenth. It was the first time that I'd ever seen uh, that happen. Uh, That was, I believe, as I say, it was in 2020. So what I watched on, as I said, I had too much time on my hands. (laughs) Please, people, myself included, get out. I should have gone to the gym. Of course, my, one of my gyms was closed for no electricity. I, I could have found ways to exercise. This is what I should have been doing. But I just went into this, ah, the power's out. God's given me a few days to just veg. And I, and I, I did the wrong thing for, for my vegging out. But so I watched kind of the battle online about Juneteenth. And one of the people that weighed in on this was Charlie Kirk. Now, Charlie Kirk's got a show here on WYAB, and I've got to tell you, I find him kind of interesting. A lot of things I would agree with Charlie Kirk on a lot of things, but he he came out and said that Juneteenth was a CRT, a a critical race theory holiday, created to compete with July 4th (laughs) because it's two weeks before. So he suggested other dates. He said if Juneteenth was really about emancipation, then why not? September 22nd, 1862. When Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Then he says this, or January 1st, 1863, when the proclamation took effect. Now, I got to tell you, when I saw that, I thought, I got to tell you, I would imagine that Charlie Kirk, if New Year's Day was suddenly celebrated as Juneteenth, I I get the feeling he might have had a problem with that. They're taking New Year's Day and turning it into a race day. He also recommended December 18th, 1865, when the ratification of the 13th Amendment came in. Oh, well, I mean, that's very close to Christmas. I would imagine there'd be some, some charges of hijacking Christmas. 
So should there be no no holiday celebrating the end of slavery? Because it seems to me like uh, a country that will celebrate July 4th, which uh, probably one of the best celebrations, it's, it's, it was about independence. Now, of course, we've just gone from a British monarchy to an American political class monarchy, or whatever the it's a kleptocracy is really what it is but you know what i mean we're we're under the thumbs of our own government now after extricating ourselves from the british government but it does feel like uh you know freeing a bunch of people is something that should be celebrated in this country now of course some people will use it and for their political means i'm sure there were plenty of people out there on the left making very annoying points about juneteenth but you can't help that. But it was it was just interesting to see Charlie Kirk have such a problem with this holiday, and he was not alone. There were a lot of conservative commentators out there really pointing out. I think Candace Owens was one of them as well, saying it's just a grift. Apparently, Juneteenth has been celebrated in Texas for over 100 years. And what's most interesting to me, <laughs> what's most this was a tweet that, that Charlie Kirk sent out uh, back in 2020. Charlie Kirk sent this out. Uh, Senate Republicans are introducing legislation to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. Barack Obama and Joe Biden were in the off, uh, White House for eight years. Why didn't they ever do it? That was on June 19th, 2020, which also brings up the point that be- the reason it became a federal holiday was because it was part of Donald Trump's platinum plan. I covered at the time this platinum plan, which was, boy, just a few hairs away uh, from reparations. But it was uh, Donald J. Trump that made this thing a federal holiday in the first place. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. It was another thing to just witness from from the sidelines, the battles over all of these things. Should conservatives not celebrate any independence from the government, from abuse by the government? I would think so. And it would be well served for the black community who just celebrated June 13th to say, see, the government's really not on your side. Just because they took your their boot off your throat when it came to formalized slavery, the fact that they strip you of about 50% of your income. You work. You're still working right now uh, just for government. Are you really any less of a slave at this point? Nah, that's probably inflammatory. It is different. You can move around, but they still take, they'll, they're still using you for your labor. They're doing it to white people, too. This is why I say they're doing the same thing to all of us. I'm not sure why we're fighting amongst each other. Uh, when I come back, though, I wanted to get onto something even that was really fun. And that was the Joe Rogan, Peter Hotez, RFK dust-up. Now, that one, is, that one was very public and very fun to watch. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stick around. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard. Handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel. But it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go, I'm watching you. Turn your back like you always do. Face away and pretend that I'm not. But I'll be here because you're all that I got. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. This submersible story is just heartbreaking. I I was wondering, I thought they were 1,200 feet down. They're 12,000 feet down. Uh, I do not think this thing is going to have a happy ending. And the reason that I say that in particular, now it's been a long time. You would think that technologically we would have gone leaps and bounds. It doesn't sound like this company was real safety-minded. But I remember the story of the Kursk 
This was, I believe, a Soviet. Was it Soviet or Russia? I can't remember if it was before or after the fall of the Soviet Union. But this Kursk submarine had become disabled. It was 354 feet beneath the surface, and they really struggled to try to get those guys. I, I don't think they did, did they? I believe everybody on there ultimately died. They were 300, it, because it always struck me, I thought, you mean these people are one football field down beneath the surface and we, we can't help them? That's not far. I understand water pressure and those kinds of things, but I, I've never experienced it. I was always surprised, but oh my gosh, if they are 12,000 feet down, if that's what I'm reading here, that is not going to end well. Uh, very sad stuff there. Uh, this past week, just a couple of days ago, it was very interesting. So RFK Jr., if you've not heard the RFK Jr. on Joe Rogan podcast, it, it was I thought it was very interesting. Joe Rogan is definitely on to something, something we need so much more of. You know, it's interesting, though. I mean, Joe Rogan, I'm wondering, uh, well, I guess I have my answer. I was about to say, I wonder how many people will sit through a three-hour interview with somebody to actually hear them flesh out, because we live in a soundbite society. We live in a Twitterization, where you just make a statement, and then everybody interprets it immediately, you know, however they want to, and then launch back into somebody about it. So there's a lot of nuance and a lot of issues where that's lost in many of those things. But with Joe Rogan's program, what he does a great job at, and and I think the other great lesson from Joe Rogan, I wish people as a as a commenter on society as I have become, I wish people would learn is that people admire Joe Rogan. A lot of people on the right, the left, doesn't matter. He has people from the right, the left, from science, from entertainment, from MMA. He, he is truly kind of an open forum of a whole bunch of interesting things. I don't listen to all of his shows because some things I just don't find myself compelled to listen to. Occasionally I find something I had no interest in, but he does such a good job he makes it interesting. But the bottom line is people admire Joe Rogan because he's not one of these hair-on-fire cultists on the right or the left. He'll let somebody talk. He'll ask him questions. He'll challenge him a little, but he doesn't do it out of hate. He just comes in and... and expresses another point but it was the the rfk interview was it was very good very heavy for i think like the first two hours matter of fact i think i still have to listen to the last hour but the first two hours were heavily about you know the vaccine debate and rfk jr laying it out over two hours that's going to make a lot of difference to a lot of people i would imagine he he lays it out so anyway this peter hotez who has been one of the covidian high priestess high priests i guess excuse me for misgendering his priestlessness, whatever. Uh, he was one of the high priests of the COVID cult, telling everybody uh, at least age 12 and up that they needed to rush out and get these shots. Anyway, he made some comments uh, to Spotify, really, really dismayed that Spotify would let Joe Rogan sit there and talk to uh, Robert F. Kennedy and Kennedy laid out the facts and cited the studies and everything else, brought a whole lot of uh, evidence to the table about why he took on the vaccine issue in the first place and why he continues to fight it up to today. And Peter Hotez, the Covidian cult leader, uh, chimed in and told Spotify it was ridiculous to have this guy on. They should you know, not allow this kind of thing. So Joe Rogan publicly said, hey, listen, if you think there was something that was wrong, why don't you come on? We'll do a three hour show. And I'll let you debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. 
Kennedy has said he's he's up for the debate if you can show him where he's wrong. But <laughs> I think he cites something like 450 different studies. The guy is no dummy. As I said, he's the most he may be one of the only serious people in the presidential race right now. He's got some problems. There's some things about RFK. He would have to renounce and renounce hard for me to even consider thinking he'd be a great president of the United States for what that does, you know, for what that means these days anyway. But but he knows his stuff. Uh, anyway, so Joe Rogan challenged and said, you know, come on. And they started raising money. It started at 100000 Last I saw, I think it's $2.6 million. People were just piling in $100,000 contributions to this thing. Of course, Peter, Ho- Peter Hotez, the, the leader of the Covidian cult, has just deflected and said that it, he won't waste his time doing it. I mean, it, it, it's really, it's quite interesting. When somebody refuses to debate in a polite setting, this is not going on Robert F. Kennedy's show. This is going on with somebody who has proven to be a very even-handed moderator, Joe Rogan, on a huge platform in front of 10, 20. I would imagine that would be 30 or 40 million people would probably listen to that thing. But he's running and ducking. And we all know why. Listeners to WYAB know. You know, I really I want to know in hindsight, was WYAB the only media outlet in central Mississippi that challenged the vaccine narrative when it came out? I think it is. That's really quite something. Now, a lot of the radio stations around here are corporately controlled. This is not. It's a small independent station. And we're allowed to say what we wanted to say. And it just turned. There was no meeting. We all just came to the same conclusion. Hey, this is a giant experiment. Uh, You better be careful with this one. I think we may have been the only media. And it wasn't the newspapers. It wasn't the independent newspapers. It wasn't the other WGOP radio stations. Because Tate Reeves and Thomas Dobbs and Delbert Hoseman told those stations to push the vax, so they pushed the vax. Now, maybe there was a host on some of those stations that was not quite jazzed about it. But, but anyway, one of the things I found most interesting, <laughs> this is a weird thing, but I don't bring up a lot of topics unless I have something that I can add to it that has not been heard somewhere else. One of the things I found most interesting was that this Hotez character, the high priest of the COVID cult, went on some establishment show And he was talking to some lackey who basically he needed to go somewhere public so that the host could tell him, I don't think you should debate RFK. You're just letting credence to conspiracy theories. You know, this has been their their tack to avoid the debate. And so Hotez goes, you know, for this, because what he needed to do is he he needed to see to to pretend that he is reacting to calls for him not to debate rather than just chickening out on his own. It wasn't a good look that he was deflecting and everything else. So a lot of people had to rush to his aid and say, we don't want you to debate. Now, in itself, that's odd. If you believe that vaccine misinformation, which is what they label RFK as, if you believe that is hurting people, then you would think you would take your message and shout it from the rooftops. Any platform, particularly the most popular platform in the United States, you think you would rush to that microphone to undo that misinformation. But instead, he's running and ducking from it. So he gets on this establishment show. But here was the interesting thing to me. He's... He's being interviewed from what appears to be his home. This is like a Zoom call interview. You know, that's what they do now for the media. And so from his home, he's talking to this establishment host, yet he is wearing his white medical coat. 
And the reason that I find that so fascinating, it was kind of laughable. I mean, I had to (laughs) I had to look at it for a second. It it struck me. I thought, why? Why the hell is he wearing that thing if he's sitting at his house? And really what it is, and I think this is something we all need to understand, is that the white medical coat has been quite the talisman of hypnosis on the American people for decades and decades. This is a ritual costume that is, it's a cloak to infer this credibility. While our medical system, our establishment medical people, and again, if you've never listened to my health show, there's tons of great doctors, tons of great nurses, tons of great people out there, but they're not the vast majority, and they're not our medical establishment. The medical establishment that puts on this cloak of credibility, the white medical coat, has convinced parents to put their children on what is essentially uh, crystal meth. You go into your doctor's office and say, my son, he's nine years old, and he really doesn't like to sit in a chair for eight hours. And they come out in the white medical coat and they say, I think we should drug him. And because of that white medical coat, and then they throw in the stethoscope around the neck, that you can't resist that whatsoever. Immediately when we see that coat, for the decades and decades now, we have let this medical establishment recommend just health-wrecking advice, but you don't dare question it because they got that coat on, Mike. Who are you? Who is RFK Jr.? Who is Joe Rogan? Y'all don't have that coat. I listened to the guy in the coat. And this was the subtle message. This is why this Hotez guy puts on this cloak of credibility, the white medical doctor's jacket this these are the people who they donned this coat of credibility while they told pregnant women don't drink any wine while you're pregnant don't eat any tuna because it might contain mercury but make sure that you get out there and get this experimental gene therapy but people didn't argue with them because they had the cloak on they had the white coat on and so this is just something to pay attention to. We've been hypnotized, hypnotized by this white coat, and that's why he wore it. Because people have ascribed this credibility to anybody who dons this white jacket. There really is no other reason for him to do it. I don't think he had a stethoscope around his neck. He really would have sealed the deal if he'd thrown a stethoscope around around his neck, but maybe even that was too stupid since he was at home. I do have a recommendation for Joe Rogan that this, this would be golden. I don't know if anybody else has proposed this, but I tell you, this would be fantastic. Hotez, this high priest of the Covidian cult, has said that he's happy to talk to Joe Rogan anytime. Hotez has actually done a show on Joe Rogan. It was beautiful because Joe Rogan... <laughs> called him out on the fact he has a horrific diet of nothing but junk food and no exercise. And Joe Rogan said, you're, you're doling out health advice to people, but you don't exercise and you eat a bunch of crap? And he tried to just laugh it off, but he didn't realize what show he was on. And Joe Rogan just went for it. Said, this is ridiculous. Why would you do that? You're, you're supposed to be all about health, but you don't take care of your health? I think it's an important point to make, and Joe Rogan made it great, but Hotez has been on Joe Rogan's show before because Joe Rogan has an equal opportunity platform. He's let pro-vax and anti-vax come on that show. But what Joe Rogan should do now, so Hotez has said he would come on. So Hotez, in his mind, he would take another three-hour Joe Rogan show, just not allow RFK there. So what Joe Rogan needs to do is Jerry Springer his ass. 
Oh, it would be so beautiful. Can you even imagine? All right, Peter Hotez, we're going to give you three hours. You can rebut everything that RFK Jr. said on his show. And then about 15 minutes into the show, open that door to the studio and in walks RFK. Oh, oh, that would be one of the most beautiful moments in all of media history. I don't know if he would run away. His pride may not allow him to run away, but you can just imagine the look on his face and the uneasiness of realizing, oh, my God, I'm going to have to debate it. Ah, That would be absolutely beautiful. Uh, Joe Rogan could pull that off. So we'll see. Uh, I got to take a quick break. One other story that I heard about the last couple of days, military movements around the country. What's that about? Be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho. All right, final few minutes of the show. I wanted to just mention this, too. What I saw, I saw a lot of people uh, on social media talking about military movements around the country. They did show some odd pictures of, you know, tanks moving into downtown, uh, armored vehicles here and there. Also, a lot of footage of trains of tanks being moved. And people uh, I've seen ascribed all kinds of military takeover. Uh, I don't put anything past the Biden administration. But let me just warn you before you jump all into this stuff. Uh, first of all, Twitter community notes sometimes is actually very good these days. It's been very interesting to see people post things that act like they just happened. And Twitter will say this is actually footage from, you know, 2020 or 2020. Um I remember seeing these things, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, probably a lot during the Obama administration, uh, when they moved tanks by train. I've just got to assume uh, we spend a ton of money building military hardware. They got to ship it somehow. I have seen years and years of footage of them moving all these tanks around and everybody flipping out about it. Now, I'll admit, when I first saw it, I thought, ooh, that's, and then I thought for a nanosecond, well, they're not sending these things by UPS. So I guess they're going to do this. So anyway, but my broader point on this is most of the commentary I saw on these military movements ascribing uh, nefarious purposes to them and assuming that the Biden administration is about to declare martial law, which, again, I would not be surprised by. Nothing would surprise any of us really about anything uh, at this point, not after COVID. But watching the right complain about military movements, I got to tell you, kind of bugs me. It is the right in this country that built the military-industrial complex. It is the right in this country that built the police state in this country. Now, the Dems might be the ones that end up using it on you at some point. I've heard today is the summer solstice. This, some people were ascribing today being the day that the military takeover would take. I just don't know how many of these stories you have to hear come and go. I don't know how many uh, Q... Q drops. Before Q drops, there were all kinds of people always talking about these military takeovers of the country. Look, they don't, I don't think they even need that anymore. They've, they've already got us. We're already captured. They do it just 83,000 annual SWAT raids a year. They don't need the tanks anymore. But who knows? Who knows? But until I hear one prominent conservative admit or change their mind on publicly 
about their bootlicking subservience to this police state that they built, then I'm really kind of nonplussed by the idea that suddenly now you're concerned with it. Just about every politician that you have voted for, certainly everyone out of Mississippi, told you to thunderous applause that they were funding this giant military and giving law enforcement endless amounts of money and support. You built this cage. And, and it's, it's great that maybe you're awake to it a tiny bit now, but these politicians are still campaigning on making sure our troops get all the money that they need. Well, you may find out that the way they do do you really believe that these psychopaths in Washington, D.C. will unleash these troops on innocent people half a world away that they won't do it here for some reason? So I would just like to see a sea change. I would like to see some inkling of people saying, uh-oh, uh-oh, maybe we made a big mistake when we told Trump, cheered for Trump to rebuild the military. Maybe there's just a different way to think about that going forward. I'd love to see that. That's all the time I got. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.